Once You Know, You Know, a podcast for busy women to level up their health and fitness so that they can get off the diet merry-go-round for good. This is real lessons from real women and industry professionals on how you can improve your health and fitness habits and discover just how incredible your body is and is designed to feel. I'm Lindsay Parkinson and I'll be your host. Let's get stuck into the episode. Welcome back to Once You Know, You Know. And in today's episode, I'm going to be telling you some things you might need to know around stress, anxiety, what it can do to your hunger, and how that might actually be impacting your results. Now, it's absolutely no secret that I work with busy women whose main aim is fat loss, finding more energy, and finding a solution that works for the long term. And it's information like this that I'm going to give you in this podcast that gives them the results that they can keep. Because We've all been there. We've done the fad diets. We've done the challenges. They got us results to a certain degree, but then we seem to go back to the old behavior patterns because we didn't learn why we were doing what we were doing. But today, my friend, I'm going to give you some insight. If this is a hard relate for you, if you are somebody who feels like they don't eat a lot of food throughout the day and you get home, feed the kids, you finish off that work task, whatever it is, you sit down and you feel like you are a wild wildebeest that is so hungry, it's having sugar cravings, it doesn't necessarily know why they're standing in the pantry eating a second or third serve of chocolate. This could help you out, my friend. So I was having a conversation with a beautiful client who's also a good friend of mine. She was like, Lindsay, you know what? Like I go through the whole day just having my smoothie, cup of coffee. I might like pick a little bit in the afternoon when the kids come home from school. But, you know, then we have dinner. But it's after that that I feel like everything unravels. And I was like, you know what? This is a really, really common scenario. So if this is you, if you are somebody who wakes up not feeling particularly well rested, a couple of reasons for this, you know, could be that you're in a particular season of your life where you've got kids or someone that you love to look after and it might just not be feasible or possible to get the same kind of shut eye we were getting many, many years ago. That's that's fair, but we want to try and get the best quality sleep that we can. But if you wake up not feeling well rested, feel like coffee is your lifeline, don't eat lunch until like after one o'clock and you certainly don't even really feel the hungries, get a little bit of a sugar craving in the afternoon, have dinner, and then after dinner, you're just feeling like things just aren't going to plan. There is hope for you, my friend. There are reasons why this might be happening. So I asked my friend, I said, look, are you feeling a little bit stressed? Have you been going through a bit? Is there lots on the plate? Is there any sort of anxiety? You know, is there stuff going on? And she's like, yes, I got a lot of tabs open in the brain. And that's not uncommon. You know, we're busy women. By the time we wake up in the morning, we already have 10 or 15 things that we're thinking about doing before we've even like put our foot on the floor. We're like bang, bang, bang. And a lot of us are waking up either to alarms or to small children because we've got so many things to do. Now, this can trigger fight or flight response. Now, most people have heard of this. It is when the body perceives a threat or a stress, it activates our sympathetic nervous system. So this triggers what they call flight or fight response. Now, this is an evolutionary adaptation. It's designed to prepare the body to confront things or run away from things. Now, you know, depending on your mood, you might be like, okay, I've got to get up. I've got to be a boss. I've got to get these kids to school. I've got to go to work. You know, I've got to pick up my lunch. You've got all these things that are running through your head. Or it could make you want to put your head under the covers and be like, I'm not getting out of bed today. This is a lot. So, you know, we start to deal with a battle with these stresses. Now, albeit these stresses look very different to what they did uh, hundreds of years ago when we developed this, but they're very, very constant. It's very common for most people to pick up their phone before they're even out of bed and start answering work emails or start organizing their day. You know, you've got kids that are asking things from you. You know, you've got to do 10 or 15 things for the family before you get to work. Your body now is saying, hey, there's a few things that I'm feeling a little bit stressed about. It's not really my priority right now to eat. So this can release your stress hormones. So um, in response to whatever is being presented to you, the body releases hormones such as cortisol and potentially adrenaline. These hormones will increase your heart rate, your blood pressure, your alertness, and they're going to prepare the body for action. Now, 
think about this. At this particular point, your body isn't being like, oh, yay, I can't wait to get food in. I always talk to my clients and ask them, like, are you feeling hungry in the morning? And they're like, no. But when they do get hungry in the morning, I get really, really excited because this can be a really good sign of regulation within the body, okay? The sensation of hunger is regulated by a complex interplay of other hormones, neurotransmitters, and neural signals that communicate between the brain and your digestive system. So ghrelin is your hunger hormone. It's primarily produced in the stomach, and it signals to the brain, hey, we need to eat something. We're getting hungry. But we also have this other hormone, leptin, which is produced by fat cells, that says, hey, we can stop eating. We're really full. We don't need any more food. But when we're feeling stressed, these hormones don't necessarily work in the right order. And that can lead to a couple of different things. In some people, that is going to look like appetite suppression. So the activation of that sympathetic nervous system and the release of the stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline, can suppress the appetite because the body prioritizes immediate survival needs. Like to us, when we're being presented with these 10 or 15 tasks, potentially children, husband at work, all asking us to do something, it is saying, hey, you've got to combat this. You've got to go into battle. You've got to go into fight. And you do this over many, many days that it becomes a little bit of a routine, a little bit of a pattern. And you think, well, I just don't feel like I've got the energy. And we often will use coffee or caffeine to prop us up because it gives you that extra bit of alertness. Like, okay, the brain fog is gone. I can focus and get what I need to get done. So this suppression of your appetite is actually a part of the body's adaptive response to stress. So that's where I like my client, I actually like my clients to be hungry. And when they're hungry, I like them to eat. Now, this can be different to other programs. I know I've spoken to you about this before where another program told me that I just had to deal with being hungry and I couldn't deal with it because no one's happy when they're hungry. Anywho, there is a little bit of individual variability here because some ex- people will experience like loss of appetite during periods of anxiety or stress, but others might find that certain stresses, especially if it is a big stress at work or it's a big stress within the family, they might feel like they want to overeat or eat foods that provide them some kind of comfort. Now, this variability can be influenced by a number of different factors, personality traits, past experiences. It's often used as a little bit of a coping mechanism. Sometimes, you know, emotional eating can be a really, really difficult thing. Women tend to be very, very emotional creatures. And often once we feel like the stress or anxiety has passed, we look for particular foods that are going to light up pleasure centers in the brain that maybe remind us of a particular period or time, whether it be a birthday or something that made us feel happy. It made us feel content. And it's just a temporary relief from the stress that we felt. Now, also coming back to that, if you've had a whole day of appetite suppression, then you have your dinner and your body realizes now all the danger is gone. The children are in bed. Everything is done. It's now saying to you, look, I'm really prepared now for food. Now it's time to eat some food. But we don't often want to go for the foods that are necessarily going to benefit our body. We're going to go for the easy to access energy, which tends to be our sweeter and more starchier carbohydrate foods. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those foods in moderation. But when you have suppressed hunger for a long period of time, when you've been stressed and maybe you're looking for a way to cope, those foods are going to become far more appealing. They're also going to be very, very difficult to manage eating in moderation. And this is where a lot of people can get stuck because they might necessarily eat well throughout the day, but then they end up falling into a bit of a pattern of 
having these sweet foods. Now, these sweet foods, if we have them in excess and very, very consistently, we are going to populate the gut microbiome, which is this beautiful like ecosystem that lives within our um, intestines and our digestive system that has a lot of bacteria in it. And that bacteria likes to feed on certain things. The more we feed it's one thing, the more bacteria there is that enjoys feeding on that particular item. So if we eat more sugary foods, we tend to crave more sugary foods. This often happens around Easter. I know it certainly happens to me. I really love Easter chocolate. I feel like it's different. I don't know if anybody else feels that, but I feel like Easter chocolate tastes different. Is it more sugary? I don't know, but it's great. Anyway, after a few days of having chocolate, then it's really, you're like, I feel like chocolate. I feel like chocolate. And we're like, oh, okay. And it's almost like you need to like break the cycle in some degree or realize that we need to manage our emotions and our response to stress so that we can cope in different manners. Now, chronic stress can have significant effects on our appetite regulation and our eating behavior through those hormones, ghrelin and leptin that I was talking about before. So ghrelin is often referred to as your hunger hormone because it's going to stimulate our appetite and wants us to increase our food intake. So levels of ghrelin typically rise before meals and then fall after eating, but chronic stress can actually disrupt these fluctuations of ghrelin, leading to elevated levels even when the body doesn't need food. So sometimes that's where you could be getting, say, those 3 p.m. cravings or you're eating food even though you've just had a full plate of dinner, right? And it's everyone's like, why am I hungry? How is this happening? I've just eaten a full plate of dinner. Now, depending on what that meal consisted of, if it maybe didn't have a good balance of macro and micronutrients, the body might be a little bit confused. If it was just a full plate of pasta and tomato-based sauce, there was maybe very little protein in there. Maybe there was very little fat. So you might not get that satiety hormone coming in, leptin, to say, hey, we don't need any more food. And you start to look for more sweet foods. So this like ghrelin, if it's not working properly can result in increased feelings of hunger you might tend to overeat and that can lead to weight gain over time if you're unsure of what your energy balance should be now leptin is known as the satiety hormone okay so that helps regulate your energy balance by telling our beautiful brain when the body has had enough to eat so leptin is produced by our fat cells and it's generally increased as fat stores increase however chronic stress again can interfere with leptin signaling, leading to a leptin resistance. So in leptin resistance, the body cells become less responsive to the hormone signals, resulting in decreased satiety and increased appetite. Again, this can mean that we overeat and potentially consume more energy than what we need, okay? Because there is no signal to say, hey, you can stop eating. We've definitely had enough energy. And one of the things that I really promote heavily, whether it be on my socials or with my clients, is volume eating. And it's for this very reason, because when you volume eat and there is some stretch provided to the stomach, quite often that helps signal leptin to come in and says, hey, we don't need any more food, okay? And depending on the types of food, especially if you're getting a really beautiful balanced diet in, obviously those signals, ghrelin and leptin, are going to work a little bit better together. So this is why you can sometimes have what might look like, let's just go with grilled burger and chips. So if you go for the hot bird grilled burger, you're looking at about 450 calories and then you might have some chips at 750 calories worth of food. So it's definitely enough food and enough energy for most people to get through until their their evening meal. For most people, now I'm talking about most of the people that I would work with. Now I'm not talking about bodybuilders or men because I typically don't work with those types of people, but 750 calories should actually be enough to get somebody all the way through until dinner. But it doesn't. 
we're hungry by three o'clock. And we're like, oh, it's not necessarily a huge volume of food. Now, if I exchange that for a big plate of whether it be, you know, um, tuna and cauliflower risotto, you'd be looking at like a whole pan of tuna and cauliflower risotto, which most people wouldn't eat in one sitting. So there are different ways to manage our energy intake and to get ghrelin and leptin working in a little bit of harmony together. But when we're under some kind of chronic stress, which a lot of women are because we're doing a lot of things, we've got a lot of those tabs open, these things can start to dysregulate just a little bit. So it's part of my job when I'm working with someone on my program to help all of these things start functioning optimally. That's why there's a big difference between, say, following a meal plan that has a lot of processed food on it and being hungry in between. It's not if you're not hitting macro and micronutrients, you're not necessarily going to help body function optimally. You're just going to be hungry and maybe a little bit miserable. But because you've paid for a challenge and you tell yourself you're on challenge, you're just going to deal with it. If you don't have a coach that can talk you through it, which I didn't when I was doing a meal plan program, I was like, so what do I what do? I Do Do I just be hungry? I, I was just hungry. I was hungry in the middle of the night. I was hungry in the afternoon. And then the when I, I got to speak to a coach via email once a week and she was like, yeah, that's just going to happen. That was the feedback. And I'm like, what do you mean? How do I function like this? I've got no energy. I don't know how I'm going to train. Why is this not a lot of food? That's not always going to regulate what's going on within the body. I want my clients to have energy. I want them to feel optimal. And I also want them to know that they can choose to eat food when they are hungry, because if your hunger signals are working properly, it's a sign of regulation. It's a sign that you're probably not in stress, but when they're not working properly, sometimes it means that we can overeat and then we get further and further away from our goals. But then we just convince ourselves it's because we don't have willpower. And then we feel really bad about it, but there's actually maybe a lot of other underlying and contributing factors. So chronic stress can also lead to elevated levels of cortisol. Now this is our primary stress hormone. Now, cortisol is important, okay? It does play a role in a number of different functions in the body, including our sleep-break cycles, but it also plays a role in appetite regulation by increasing cravings for maybe high-calorie, carbohydrate-rich foods. Now, these foods, they do provide that temporary sense of comfort or pleasure, probably due to past experiences or places that we've consumed them previously, i.e. cake. It reminds us of birthdays, which reminds us of being around our friends. So we make that sort of connection with food. And when we are going through something that's particularly stressful, often we will use those as coping mechanisms for stress. But that isn't necessarily what we need. It is sometimes just what we want. And then because of the way that we've been conditioned, we often say things as, well, it's been a really stressful day. I deserve this. And I'm always reminding my clients that you never, ever need to earn your food, ever doesn't matter what it is. You don't need to be good to have your food. You don't need to reward yourself for doing something like, oh, I've gone all week without this, so now I'm going to have myself a treat. I empower my clients to go, you can make food choices whenever you want. And that's really, really important because it creates a different message and neural pathway and a different subconscious thought around food and our power of choice. Knowledge is always going to be power in any situation. It doesn't matter what application you apply it to, whether it's health and fitness or whether you're applying it to finance. The more you know about something, the more options you have to make a choice that you feel is right for you. Many, many moons ago when I used to work in finance, I had a particular liking to superannuation. It was an area that I had worked in and I used to 
harp on to my friends relentlessly about their super, particularly if I'd had a few drinks and they were like, oh my God, will you just shut up? But I wanted them to know that they do actually have a choice, uh, sometimes limited choice over where their money was being allocated, how that could impact them in the future. And the more that we know about it, the more options we have to make that money work better for us. And I think that's really, really empowering, especially as females who may not necessarily know particularly lots about finance and it might be something that is left to someone else in their life. However, I'm a big believer in learning around things that you that can affect your future. And like I said, that can be applied to any situation. It doesn't have to be health visits, it doesn't have to be finance, but like the more that you know about something, the more options you have to take. Hey, I want to drive from here to there. I know that there are three different places, three different ways to go. If you only know that there's one way to go, you, you might be taking the long way. You've got to broaden your horizons. And that's where listening to things like this and then understanding what your energy intake can be can change the way that you choose to do things and get you understanding why you might have been made making that choice. It's not, hey, I end up in the cupboard every night because I've got no willpower. It's, hey, actually, I'm a little bit stressed. What are the things that I can do to change this? Like, what what happens to my body when I get stressed? So when we get stressed, you can have elevated cortisol levels. This can actually contribute to weight gain. So we've covered off increased appetite and cravings. So we know that cortisol and stress can affect both of those things, okay? Because we can't regulate appetite or food intake, but also Cortisol promotes the storage of fat, particularly visceral fat. Now, if you don't know what that is, that is the fat that accumulates around the abdomen and the internal organs. So excess cortisol can lead to the redistribution of fat in this abdominal area, even in individuals who aren't necessarily overweight. So a lot of people would have said to me, you're small, it doesn't really matter. Like surely, you know, you can't have these like issues around your body or whatever. If you look at my before and after photos, I have quite a significant amount of fat around my abdomen. Now, this isn't because I was going through sort of life stress. It was because I was stressing my body out. So even though I was probably overtraining and under eating, that would only happen on four days of the week because on Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays, I wouldn't sleep and I would party and I would have espresso martinis and McDonald's and pizza. So if you looked at my calorie intake as an average over the week, I was hitting in a surplus. Not only was I hitting in a surplus, I was eating foods that stressed out my body, drinks that were stressing out my liver. And then I also was not sleeping very well because of the excess caffeine and going out late night and hitting nightclubs and stuff like that's obviously just a particular phase of my life. But then I didn't understand why I couldn't lose weight. I was like, this doesn't work. I don't understand and became incredibly frustrated with the process. I didn't know what cortisol and excess stress could have been doing to my body. It did make a lot of sense when I finally found out because I looked really puffy in the face. Everything looked really, really inflamed. You know, cortisol can also influence your metabolism because it can alter insulin sensitivity and the way that you utilize glucose as well. So this doesn't happen in everyone. It's not to say that if you've been particularly stressed that you're like, oh my gosh, I've got like insulin, I've got impaired insulin sensitivity. That's not that's not the case for everyone. That's usually extreme cases, but it can happen where the body's cells become less responsive to insulin's effects. Now, this is insulin resistance can be closely linked to weight gain and obesity. Again, it's not going to be the case for every individual. It is just something that can happen. Another thing that can happen is that cortisol promotes the breakdown of muscle tissue to provide amino acids for energy production during periods of stress. So if you're not eating throughout the day, right, you're just having that like one, whether it's a piece of toast 
or smoothie or something like that. If you're not getting in enough protein, your body is going to need to get those amino acids from somewhere and it is going to probably choose your muscles to break down those amino acids. Now, we all know from listening to this podcast, the more muscle mass we have, the more energy we burn at rest. So we do not want to degrade our muscles. No, we don't, my friend. We definitely don't. Now, this is a process that can happen, this muscle breakdown, that's survival in acutely stressful situations, right? So if there was for some reason you couldn't access food, like for whatever, you know, your body is going to have something to go to to keep it functioning really well. But when we we don't eat because our appetite is suppressed, then periods throughout the day, the body may need to access those amino acids to perform other vital functions. And we don't want that. So it's hard to want to eat if you don't have any appetite, you know. So not only that, chronic stress and elevated cortisol levels can disrupt your sleep patterns. Mm. You throw either a stressful job on top of that or, you know, maybe you're in the season of your life where you're having kids or you're caring for a loved one, your sleep quality is going to be pretty poor. And inadequate sleep has been associated with weight gain and obesity because it also affects our appetite-regulating hormones like leptin and ghrelin. Sleep deprivation is a form of torture. And if any of you have gone through periods of whether it be insomnia, acute stress, having children, you'll understand that if you're not sleeping, it's very difficult for the rest of your day to go well. Now, when I'm first working with a like a mum, whether it be a new mum or, or whatnot, if she doesn't sleep well throughout the night, I would not encourage her to train the following day. I don't want her to deplete her body further. And I don't want her to feel like a failure if she doesn't get to a training session because she's absolutely at the point of exhaustion. It's not going to be an effective training session and it might not positively impact her mentally as well. Just feels like there's another thing that she can't do. So it's much better to support through the process and maybe do more of a mindful movement and then focus on some of the things that we can control. So what do you actually do if you are in these periods of stress or anxiety? What are some of the things that you can do to help manage this or mitigate this, especially if you want more energy and you do want to change your body composition, you know, there are things that you can do. So first of all, instead of reaching straight into whatever, the cookie jar, the chocolate or whatever, just try redirecting your energy just for five minutes. So whether that be stretching, deep breathing, a little bit of meditation, popping on a little audio, going for a short walk, just doing something that distracts you from that moment of wanting to crave, something that is designed to bring your stress levels down right? That's what you want to think about because the more that we can do this, the better we are going to be able to cope with stress. So I always like my clients to have some sort of, whether it be there's a gratitude practice that I have on my YouTube channel to start the day with that, because instead of starting the day, alarm, children, got to get up, got to be somewhere else. All I want them to do is three thoughts of gratitude, hand on belly, hand on heart, bring the nervous system down, it gets them in a different state. So then when the first stressor comes, whether it be, mom, I can't find my lunchbox or whatever it is. I don't know why I did the kid voice. But anyway, whatever it is, they can be like, no problems. Let's see how we can find that solution. You tend to respond instead of react. But if someone comes to you and they can't find their school shoe and you're running late, you don't have your lunch, you can't find your car keys, you're more likely to be like, where is your school shoe? And then you get mum guilt right? Or if you're running off to your busy corporate job, I do this all the time when I'm really stressed and you forget something. Often like it'll be my phone or it'll be the garage clicker. I'm in the car, can't find the garage clicker, where have I put it? And it's like in a really rogue spot. And then I become really frustrated with myself, but it's all about changing my state. If that's happening, sometimes I just put on a song. I just put on, it happens to be Taylor Swift. It's always Taylor Swift. There's a boppy song. And all of a sudden 
you change your state. And I've changed my stress management. I'm bringing the stress level down. I'm starting to increase like the happy feel good hormones. And I've decided that I'm not going to go down that path of just feeling like level 10, you know, erratic. And this doesn't happen straight away. It happens like you train a muscle. You have to do this stuff over and over and over. Then you want to look at maybe developing mindful eating practices. Okay. So even if you aren't necessarily hungry, if it's like running your car on empty, you know, you're not going to keep driving and driving, driving, like, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. I mean, if you really, really have to, but you want to think about, I need to get some fuel in the tank so that I can keep going and not where you're like just chugging along. You want to keep going at a really optimal sort of like feel and speed. So practicing mindful eating means you can become more aware of your eating habits. And if you do eat more throughout the day, you are probably less likely to snack after dinner because your body isn't searching for macro or micronutrients because you've given it to them. So sometimes that's where I like, when I'm supporting a client on my program, I'm like, have you eaten today? Like just a little heads up. You might not be hungry, but hey, can we get some nutrients in? Because it's really important for regulating that appetite. If you're eating, your body is realizing like, hey, and especially pausing. I'm a big advocate for if somebody works in a busy corporate job and they're like, I'm just going to eat lunch at my desk. Yes, every now and again, that's okay. But you're entitled to that 30 minutes. It'll actually make you more productive to step away from your desk when you can, I understand there's going to be days that's not possible, but get away from your desk, get out of your work environment, sit outside and eat your lunch. Even if it's 15 minutes, I guarantee your mind and your body will thank you for it. You'll be far less stressed and your body is going to recognize that you are eating food. And that's really important. We hear these things like, oh, don't be distracted when you're eating food. A lot of people will scroll while they're eating their food. They're not actually necessarily noticing what they're taking in. So, but when we do, this helps us pay attention to what is going on in the body. The mind and the body can actually connect. Hey, we are eating food. This is a large volume of food. Later on, I'm not going to need you to like be zapped and go for the excess carbohydrates or the excess sugar because I'm registering that I'm eating now. But if you're just shoveling food in at convenience throughout all your meals throughout the day, your body might not necessarily register. Yes, at least it's getting the nutrients, but we want to make sure that we do have those pauses throughout the day because it does help with stress. So then with mindful eating, it's paying attention to actual hunger cues or whether they are boredom, procrastination, what, what is it connected to? And if you've just eaten a full meal of dinner and you're still feeling hungry, what is it that you had for dinner? What was missing? What element do you think was missing? So you can see there's a full plate of food there that means that you still require more energy right before you're about to go to bed, right before we're not even going to use it. We're about to go and try and rest because obviously sometimes sleeping isn't always as restful as what we would like it. So eating slowly, paying attention to actual hunger cues, making sure that we pause and stop, all of these things can actually bring you out of like an acute stage of stress. And then it comes, this one's probably the hardest one, is that we want to try and develop strategies that help us cope with day-to-day lives of stress. I have so many of these on my program because my program isn't just based around here. This is what you need to eat and this is how you need to move. It is designed to get you from where you are now to where you want to be without always needing me. And there are practices in there about how we can communicate differently, how we communicate with ourselves, talking to a friend when you're stressed rather than going, oh, you know, when we're talking about distracting ourselves from the behavior, if it's after you've had a really stressful day and you had dinner and you know you don't need any more food, but you're like, I'm really hungry still. I really want that chocolate. Call a friend, send a voice note. See, just be like, hey, you know what? Like, 
I just want to tell you, like, I hope this is okay. I just need to have a little vent. This this happened to work today and it's really – by the time you get through that conversation, you will have forgotten your hunger cue because you're not actually hungry. You're redirecting that behavior, you know, and, you know, you can engage in something that's a little bit more creative rather than, like, scrolling or watching TV. Maybe you put on a song have a nice shower, get yourself ready for bed for a good nighttime routine. You know, if all the kids are in bed and instead of sitting there watching Netflix, I often say to my clients, have a stretch. Do you know how good stretching before bed feels? Do a little bit of bedtime yoga instead, instead of just like scrolling and like feeling like, oh, I could eat something now, knowing that we don't need to because we've just had a full plate of food. Do something creative, you know, whether it be like playing, I'm such a nerd. I like things like crosswords. I like playing chess. Robbie and I will often play Monopoly Deal after dinner. Those kind of things are far more engaging for the brain and a lot more distracting. So you don't necessarily think, oh, I need to have food. And if those things become your regular go-to where you're using your brain like that, that's de-stressing the mind and the brain. It's also maybe connecting with another human. And it's better connecting with another human, whether it be via phone or with someone else that lives in your house, than it is to sit and try and connect on social media by tapping and liking photos or scrolling through TikTok and being really, really distracted. One of my friends told us about Monopoly Deal and we froth it. We absolutely love it. It's like a 15-minute game while dinner cooks. I'd say everything's prepared. We're like, do you want to have a quick game of Monopoly Deal? And it's funny. We sometimes then leave the cards there and we come back to it. All of these little things, one, they strengthen our connection with our relationship, which makes us feel good. But also it's not like I'm just sitting there hungry waiting for dinner and eating food while I cook dinner, which was a habit that I did get myself into. So all of these things are about practicing self-care. You know, we're investing in our future selves, creating better ways to cope with stress and what happens in our day-to-day life. You know, some of the things that I often will tell my busy women or mum clients is that like, I've had such a bad day. I just feel like a whine. And I'm like, I get it, but why don't you go have a shower, maybe have a little cry, set yourself up with a good book and, you know, get yourself into bed early. Like that, that's as simple as it can be. And then the next time they have a bad day, maybe they do that. They release the emotion. They have a hot shower. They do their skincare routine. They're in bed early and they feel a lot better than what they would if they had have had just the wine, you know? So thinking about these things that you can do, stress management techniques, healthy coping strategies, mindful eating, all of these turning of these small cogs while they seem really, really small, do them really, like they're easy because they're small. Do them frequently and then you'll start to see your choices and decisions change. And when you do that long-term, you start to build up a resilience and you tell yourself, you show yourself that it's not that I don't have any willpower, it's just that I didn't have the right strategy in place. And that's what it is all about. It's about coming up with those strategies that work for you. And even though there are hundreds and hundreds of tools in my toolkit, I always say this to clients, I'm like, not every tool I give you you're going to want to pick up. Some people might prefer, and this is like the analogy I use, some people might prefer to, you know, screw a nail in with a screwdriver. Some people are like, no, I don't have time for that. I'm just going to get a drill and I'm going to do this. And both of the outcomes end up being the same right? The, the screw has been screwed into the wall or the piece of wood or whatever. Just the path that was taken there, one worked a different way. One worked better for one person, one worked better for the other person. It's the same reason why I love a physical diary. I'm not an electronic diary kind of gal. I just, I sit on technology far too much. I like the idea of writing. I love it. 
I love having my paper diary. And that works for me, but it definitely isn't going to work for everyone if I carry that book everywhere. I'm like, yeah, I know. Put down my thoughts. Like I put down different things that happen, my to-do lists. But that's the way I operate. That doesn't mean that everyone has to operate like that. And that's where individualized nutrition and fitness programming becomes so essential. And I always say this, what works for one busy woman who works in a corporate job is not going to work for the woman with, you know, two kids and working from home. They're going to be very different strategies. So take what you will from this, but hopefully it's shed some light on maybe why, you know, you might end up at the end of the day feeling like you've got the extreme hungries. Maybe it is going to help you look at how you might manage or cope with stress. If there's anything in this podcast that you want to know more about, let me know because I want to give you the information that you guys need so that you can be successful long term. So you know where you can find me on socials. You can also email me, like jump on my website, all of those things I'm available all the time because I want to know how I can help you feel your best this year and onwards okay so until next time my friends I will see you on Instagram or on TikTok or on any of the other socials and I look forward to another episode next week once you know you know